Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cordial Candor. I am Zachary, and today with me I have Samuel. Hello, I am Sam, and with us also we have Dusty. Sam, I am. Oh, sorry. No, wait. I'm Dusty. Um, good <laughs> afternoon. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everybody. And it's a beautiful Saturday outside, at least here. I don't know about y'all. Yeah, it's pretty nice outside. It's a little bit too warm for my taste. I'm, you know, colder climate type of person, but it's, it's not about bad. 87 it degrees was... with no clouds here, and it's annoying. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds miserable. Sunny and 75. <laughs> so, how's everybody doing? Everybody hanging I mean, in there? Uh, We're coming off the lockdown. How's how's everybody treating that? Zach, I heard you had an interesting experience at Kroger today. What happened there? Man, I had to wait in line to get in, and then everybody's in there, and I had to wait for like 20 minutes just to get to like a register, and of course, me being me, I'm buying like $200 worth of groceries at a time, so just so I don't have to go back in town to see people. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, and it was just a, it was an ordeal. Like, I have to try to spend 80 bucks. <laughs> Golly, I spent, a hundred, I spent 150 earlier this week, but I got some some bigger, some stuff that I don't have to buy all the time. Like, I got another, like, a bottle of allergy pills and stuff, so, like, you know, that runs yeah. my total up a little higher than normal, but I can spend 100 bucks pretty easily. I don't know. I guess I don't. Ha- I guess I don't eat a whole lot of a uh, of a variety. <laughs> I think maybe that's just my problem. <laughs> I don't buy a but... whole lot of junk food either, so I don't know if that affects me negatively or positively. Like most of what I buy is pretty much I go straight to the fruits and veggies, pick out some fresh fruits, pick out some fresh veggies, onto the meats, get me some meat. Then from there, it's just kind of a crapshoot depending on what else is on the list. Yeah. The only reason I hit like eighty bucks was because I bought meat and it's stupid expensive right now. I, Do you buy groceries for one week or two? Um, I, I have no idea. I just <laughs> eat on it as long as I can, and I'll just go when I have to go. I I, I don't really have a schedule for it. I just then see. I do it really. for like one month. I mean, if I had to guess, maybe a week and a half or so. Oh, that's for a month. Sheesh. Yeah, but I probably oh, spent I could like. Spend 200 bucks. 50 or $60 alone on meat just to throw it in the freezer since everything was pretty much barren here. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had to wait in line to go inside a store yet. I've n- well, I, I almost had to wait at Walmart, but we left because I didn't want to wait. Well, I haven't had to wait in, wait in line to get in a store. I've not had to wear a mask into a store. Uh, the only time I've had to wear a mask is at work. Man, I... Oh, you had to wear them at work? We're supposed They're to. They're starting that Tuesday for us. We're supposed to, but, you know, I I wear one. I, I, like, hang it on one ear so I look like I'm a fighter, like a jet fighter pilot. And then anytime somebody... An actor. <laughs> then anytime... Yeah, exactly. Anytime somebody comes near, I flip it over my other ear. Because if there's nobody within six feet of me or whatever, like, I'm not too worried about it. You know. Yeah, that's the thing. Like we have to wear masks at starting Tuesday, and if like we're in a weld cell by ourselves, we're still supposed like we're still expected to wear them. And it's just like these weld cells are, you know, twenty by twelve feet. Like if there's no one else in there, like yeah, I I mean, it's it's silly. I'll wear one, but I understand. I'll wear one within reason. Like if I'm going into somebody else's office or into a crowded part of the office, like. I put the mask on. Like, whatever. It's not a big deal. I'm in there for 45 seconds. I grab what I need, and I leave. I'm out. You know? No biggie. Yeah. So, 
it is what it is. But if I'm sitting at my desk and there's nobody around me, I'm not, I'm not wearing it at the moment. You know, <laughs> I'll have it ready. Yeah, I don't, but... I don't blame you. Like it, it's, it's an, in, it's an inconvenience. That's for sure. It makes me get lightheaded if I wear it too long, so I usually try to avoid it. But lightheaded and headaches are things that I've heard. Yeah. I see. I don't have that problem typically. Well, that's also because so you're probably not wearing like a super snug mask. You know, a lot of people. Well, we have... had N95 masks uh, that I used to wear at work, mm-hmm. but we're not allowed to anymore. Why not? Because they donated them to the hospitals. Oh, I mean that's cool, I guess, but. Are they making you purchase masks to wear at work now? <laughs> well, they had some of like the medical masks or whatever, and those are some that we are allowed to use. But I'm probably going to take my own in. I haven't decided for sure. They get, but all the ones that we're, we're going to use are flammable. And guess what? I do for a living welding. So it's just kind of like this. This doesn't seem like it's going to add up very well. <laughs> I don't know. But, Sounds like know. it could we'll be fun. Out. Yeah, most of us run around with yeah. like a respirator or like a panning mask on now. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. If I had a, a rebreather or something, I would totally wear it. That'd be so freaking cool. But they're stupid expensive. Right. Probably like twelve hundred. Go to a military yeah, surplus <laughs> and see if I can't find a gas mask. I have one. <laughs> <laughs> you have a few. I thought. I bought my brother one. There's no military okay. surplus store here in town, and I don't like it. There should be one everywhere. There used to be. There used to be like three or yeah, four. Yeah, there used to be what plenty happened? down that way. Because there was one over there by Thompsonberry, and then the other uh, on the way to church. Well, that's a different town. So, typically we like to open up with uh, a Today in History. But today I want to try something a little different. Like, I don't know how well or poorly it'll work out, but hopefully okay. somebody will let me know. Um, so today I wanted to do riddles instead, just because that's something I've always enjoyed. So I've chosen a riddle for Zach and Dusty both. Um, one, I don't think it's going to be stupid hard for either of them. I think they should be able to get it, but if they're able to get it on the spot, perfect. If not, we're going to give them to the end of the podcast to think about it. So Zach, we'll start with yours. What is black when you buy it, red when you use it, and gray when you throw it out? Charcoal. Okay, so he must have heard that one before, but he got oh, that one pretty, pretty well off of that. But that is correct. No, I just cook a lot. <laughs> that's a pretty good one. Um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty neat one. That, that applies his personality pretty well, I think. Um, so, Dusty, yours, I think, is going to be a little bit harder, but we'll see how it goes. So, a woman shoots her husband. Then she holds him underwater for five minutes. Finally, she hangs him. Five minutes later, they go out and enjoy a wonderful dinner together. How can this He's be? Rasputin. <laughs> I mean, I suppose that could work, but that is not the answer to the riddle. <laughs> Everyone who ever showed you pierogi, shot! Um, oh, man. That epic rap battles of history, man. I love that. That was so shout good. Shout out to ERB. If you haven't listened, go listen now, mm-hmm. YouTube. Um, Talk right? about the nostalgia. Um, is he a vampire? Let's see. Uh, he is not a vampire, no. So, Dusty, we'll give you to the end of the podcast so you can take time to think about it, and our listeners can also think about it. Uh, I'm going to trust you guys not to look up, or trust Dusty not to look it up. Uh, so, then we'll kind of go on to our main topic for the, de- for the day. So, today we're going to try to stick with one one thing, and I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be really cool. Um so if we're all excited about it, I believe. Well, we better be because it's freaking dope. So 
I kind of set the stage. I got three pages of notes. So I was setting like, the stage. I don't do that even in school. Whenever I was thinking about it, I was I was at work, and you know I I'm frequently known for just asking off the wall in depth questions for people I work with. They some of them appreciate it, some of them don't. But what I was thinking about was that everyone's up in arms that we are taking their freedom, uh, whether it be for the masks or the lockdown, whatever. You know, it's it's reasonable for them to think that way. I think. Um, but then again, it's the, then I, I kind of went to, well, is freedom necessary? So it, it could be, right? Uh, so going forth from there, it was just what what is necessary to make a successful nation? Um, and so I asked my coworker, and he was just like, well, son of a bitch, I have no idea. Uh, he, he was in good spirits about it or whatever. But So it eventually kind of grew itself into a self-reflection question. Um, like, what do I value of the nation I live in or a nation I would want to live in? So that's kind of where it, where it is. So I encourage you all to, if you haven't yet, stop the podcast and go into the description and do your best to create your own empire. And then we'll deliberate from there. Um, we'll talk to you guys in a few minutes. Welcome back, everybody, who hopefully has already created their empire. Um, so the way I think we're going to be the best to do this is um, go down the list. So um, the, t the first portion of it is what five qualities do you think are necessary for a successful empire? I have these listed in a very particular order. I sent them to everybody in a particular order, so hopefully they will stay in that order. Um, so, um, let's see. Where, where do we want to start? Do we want to start at the bottom or start at the top, guys? Start at the top, work our way down, man. Alright, sounds good. So, freedom. Now, this, this is probably going to be something, we live in the Western world, this is probably going to be something on everybody's list. Like, this is absolutely a need be, because a free life is the only life worth living. Uh, or that's how we're taught. Is that actually true? I don't know. Um, personally, for me, freedom is something I 100% put down for my empire. And I have reasons for that, but I'll let you guys go. Did you all put freedom down for yours? Uh, we were only given yes, five qualities, correct? Yeah, you can only choose of out of that list of qualities. Of five. Out of five, which is it's a hard thing to choose just five of, especially since I feel like yeah. Well, originally it was three, so think like it could have been like this isn't like uh, extreme. So like if you have if you don't choose freedom, it's not that you, like you don't have any freedom whatsoever. It's just that it's not what your society focuses right. on. Um, so if it's infrastructure, then it's just not what your society focuses on. Uh, so, of course, there are downsides to not focusing on it, and there are upsides to not focusing on it to you where you could allocate that elsewhere. Um, so, Zach, you chose freedom. Why would you choose freedom? Um, well, I chose freedom because I feel like it's a it's just a very basic necessity for a, for a well-functioning government. Okay. Something for the, the people they know they have it. Mm-hmm. I feel like, in my mind, it provides a sense of security. Really? Okay. Actually, that's about, that's about the only thing I thought about was, you know, it's it's a necessity. It makes you feel more secure. Well, I thought about that's, it... That's about all I have for freedom. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I thought about it in a little bit of a different way. So, if we go back to Cyrus the Great, or Cyrus the Second, whichever you choose to refer to him as, he would take over other nations, other people, other tribes, and then allow them 
to rule their own their own way. If they wanted to have a democracy, that's fine. A republic, that's fine. A dictatorship, that's fine. Monarchy, whatever. As long as they pay taxes, he didn't care. They could have whatever religion. He was at around. He was at power around a time that was very confusing, where there were a lot of uh, uh, Jews. There were uh, people who believed in the Roman gods, the Greek gods, whichever god. He didn't care. And that was one of the coolest things I think about Cyrus the Great. And so giving the people this freedom of religion, the freedom of uh, their own government, making him king of kings also helped in that he didn't really have a whole lot of rebellions. He had one of the most powerful militaries on the planet, but he couldn't. He didn't have to use it for rebellions because people were actually happy living under the Akkadian uh, Persian Empire, which I, I thought that, that was my main reason for choosing freedom is that I wouldn't want to have to uh, focus so much on a military, which is, uh, I'll probably tie that back in here in a little bit. Dusty, what would you do with freedom? Um, I do have freedom on the list. Uh, kind of a little bit of tie into both. I agree with Zach that it helps for a personal, um, a personal secureness that you... Like satisfaction, yes, that's maybe? probably a better... A personal satisfaction. The fact that you have the ability to do essentially what you want within, you know, the terms of the law. Um, essentially, and I, it's the way I think now, as long as you're not hurting anybody or anything, like, do what you want, man. I don't really care. You know, um, that's always, it's just kind of yeah. always been my, mind your business and I'll mind mine. As long as you're not hurting anybody else and to a certain extent, you know, animals, then than it is what because you know i mean dog fighting not cool bro but like hunting yeah okay like you know within reason um yeah i think the morals are a bit murky there but i understand where you're coming i don't know from. that they're murky but um, you know it's just well i mean that could be something we talk about another time i'll make sure to write that down um let's see i hopefully i'll write that in a less ambiguous way that way hopefully i actually remember what i meant but um so I guess we'll roll on to defense, and like, and whenever I say defense, I'm talking like military capabilities. Uh, this is something I marked off. I did not have this one on my list for multiple reasons, to which I'll elaborate further on the next one. Zach, uh, what'd you put for that? Did you add defense to yours? I did. Okay, why? Um, well, because I mean. Depending on the time frame of which your empire or and or nation is in, I guess just in literal standing, there's gonna be other people out there that are gonna try to either you know they're gonna try to be the big dog in the fight, they're gonna try to take you over, attack you, draw you into a war mm -hmm. via terrorism or however, and you I just feel like a military is essential because it is defense. It's what keeps your civilians at home that are helping you know. That essentially are creating so your volunteer force exactly happy. just out of curiosity when was the last time we had used the united states military in its full capacity well and see that just kind of goes to more of a where is your civilization set up with the united states we are yeah. in a very blessed location on the globe because to the no east doubt. and the west we've got the largest uh the largest oceans in the world you know i mean Good yep. luck putting troops on the. Good luck putting boots on the ground coming from the east or the west. So you have to come from. Literally, yeah, no, no one's ever done it. So sorry. you have to come. 
no, literally no nation has the capability to launch a ground invasion of the United States, which is something I was reading about the other day. Was they were going through like war scenarios and stuff, and it just absolutely blew my mind that no one had the civilian or no one had the troop transports. Well, capable. I mean, you could and it was just if crazy. you came in through the south or the north, but you would have to go through Canada or Mexico, which. Mm-hmm. For most intent, for for most purposes, are considered allies. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean the Canadians will cover them in maple syrup, and you know the cartels Operation in Mexico. Operation Leaf Blower. <laughs> We're gonna go take over Mexico with a couple paintball guns and a couple leaf blowers. Um, <laughs> but uh, there you go. so you know, it really depends if you if you have a society that's in a more of a location, like say. Iraq or Israel or Syria or mm-hmm. even Hong Kong, like, you know, maybe if you're building a new civilization under those circumstances, you look more into defense because it makes a big difference on who your neighbors are. So that one. But if you have freedom in all those scenarios, those wars wouldn't have happened. Um, whenever you talk about freedom, there are really two types of freedom that you really need to consider. There's personal autonomy, meaning that you can make your own decisions, and then there's uh, freedom in terms of oppression from the outside. So, yeah, the way I've heard it described is, yeah, we might have a dictatorship, but it's our dictatorship. So your freedom from foreign oppression. Well, but... So if you have... So in, ter- in uh, Libya, you mentioned, you mentioned Iraq... Um, both of those uh, were because of lack of freedom, whether from an outside power or well, but them. you can't influence. So if you, you can't influence that. outside powers, right? And what Zach says, and another thing on our list here as a spoiler is, uh, where did it go? I saw it. Natural resources. So if you yes, are a natural resource rich country, like say mm-hmm. for instance, you have a whole bunch of oil, and somebody else decides that yeah. they want that oil, <laughs> then. Defenses may be a defensive power, military force may be something that you put some stock into because, hey, look, there's people over there, and while we're free and cool here, they're wanting what we have. So it really well. Then I want to point. Then I want to point the finger at a country, a very small country called Israel, one of those that does not have a super strong military. Don't wrong. It's pretty strong. It's it's you know a little less than average probably. But they have an amazing infrastructure, which allows them to move that small army wherever it needs to go. So assuming you have fantastic infrastructure, you don't need such a large military. You don't need to focus well, on okay. it so vastly because you're allowed to use that smaller force to move or maneuver and But you're talking the quality and, over quantity there because I think that you could argue yeah, that Israel yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. have by far the largest military in the region. But if you're talking about mm-hmm. intensity of training and... Yeah. The we send our Navy SEALs yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, to train. we send our badasses over there to learn how to be badasses. Like some of the best uh, military defense techniques, as far as hand-to-hand combat, come out of Israel. You know, uh, Krav Maga is yeah. a, as a military. Like everyone in the military in Israel knows the like Krav Maga, which, if you're unaware, is pretty much everyone in the state of Israel because they have a mandatory mandatory service for is it just the males it may just be the males but everyone spends i believe 
I believe, I believe it's, it's everybody spends two years mm-hmm. in the military there, which is a, a cool idea, I guess. I can see why you would not want to do that, but I can see the benefits. <laughs> um, oh, no doubt. Good luck taking them Yeah, out. I mean, really, because now you've got, not only do you have a standing military force, but you have, um, you've got a reserves that is essentially everyone over the age of 22 who has been formally trained at some point to handle a weapon, military tactics, and essentially just how to kick ass if need be, you know? it's yeah. Which is interesting, but I think that that kind of goes back to the history Israel has with their power struggle with the Gaza Strip. So it really, military is one of those mm-hmm. things that you don't have to have on your list. And I can see how you can, I can see how you don't have it on your list. And it's on my short list. I took this long list and I shortened it to like seven or eight. And then I kind of picked my yeah. five from there, you know, and it made the short list. Yeah. And then I have a note, like a little asterisk out next to it. Like depends on your neighbors and stuff depends on your location, you know, yeah. Are you in a position where you may need to, you know, dig trenches and hold down, hold the fort? Or are you in a superior position of geography where good luck taking the hill, come and get me? So, come and yeah, take. Come take. Uh, what is it? Moran Abe? Uh, I, I don't remember what it is, but yeah, it's something like that. It's put down your weapons we'll come, come take, take. yeah um so yeah defense i like kind of like you mentioned I, I didn't really put that much um uh, on into like yeah i want a military but i just not i don't want it to be the focus of my society um so the next two i'm gonna go ahead and lump together infrastructure and diplomacy these are two that i, I also opted in for um, they kind of take the place of the military, I think, with a larger infrastructure that, of course, helps like you can maneuver a small military force all around your borders to help defend or, I suppose, invade if you need to. Kind of like the Romans, they kept getting roped into, you know, taking over more and more countries till they eventually became a world superpower. I'm not, I'm, that's a theory. I'm not sure I totally buy into that, but it's an interesting one nonetheless. Uh, you can look at um, Germany in so, World War One, the way that they were able to manipulate their troops through their own borders via the railways so much more quickly than mm-hmm. anyone else because of their superior infrastructure. Um, and that was yep. a focus on their military effort is that, okay, hey, now look, we've got, we took all these railways in other countries too and connected them. So now if we need to move tanks from the east side to the west side, bam, put them on the rail and let's go. And and even, no doubt. And another thing that no, I was going to say, even in the United States, we've got the interstate system uh, that they put in for that purpose as well to move troops and more quickly and to evacuate people from and cities. to serve as emergency landing strips. Yeah, that that indeed. Uh, like, how crazy is that? Someone landed a jumbo jet on the highway. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Be sweet, wouldn't it? Um, another thing. Right, I I think it would scare me to death if I were on the plane, but seeing it would be kind of cool. Um, so another thing that infrastructure does that not a lot of people think about is the economy. It allows for a very 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 robust economy. So if you think of like more what people think of third world countries, so the more poorer countries, uh, not neutral countries, 
these people or these nations don't really have um, infrastructure. They don't have roads, railways, whatever. Um, this is one of the big reasons why people love to point at the dichotomy that we have a bunch of food waste in the United States, but yet people are starving in Africa. How dare the Americans do such a thing? Well, it's one of those things like, how are we supposed to get all that food to the people in Africa? They don't have any infrastructure. And who's going to pay to build, you know, highways and rail systems in a, a, uh, the second largest continent in the world? Like, that, that's, that's not feasible. So infrastructure also really, really helps with uh, the economy. Let's stick with infrastructure first here. Zach, what do you have for infrastructure? Yeah, yeah. I do have infrastructure in mind was kind of, more militaristic thinking was, you know, move your troops if you have to be able to cut off an invading enemy force if needed. Um, but also at the same time, like Sam said, to boost the economy because, you know, if you are you have one specific region of your country that grows phenomenal crops, then, you know, you have, you have the ability to move them to market and to other areas of your region or other areas of your country rather fast i have infrastructure as well and i it, it almost seems like my thinking was a little different than your guys's so that's a little cool um i was thinking more along the lines that even in the united states now our infrastructure has fallen a little bit we um uh, i mean it's still it's still superior to most countries but we don't have very many uh, cross-country uh, bullet trains and things like that like they do in other countries where you can get on from city to city from a train to train and, you know, travel across like that. But also things like uh, fiber optic internet, um, something that they're slowly trying to roll out, or they're trying to roll it out really as quickly as they can because if you can offer that in an area that it's not offered you're going to get a lot of business just based off the fact that you have it, right? You roll out the new product. You're the first to, to market with a new product. You gain business because you're the only one with, to market. Um, and that's a thing. Yep. I think that's an issue that we don't really think about a lot, especially uh, people on the east and west coasts because they live in places that are more popula popu populated, populated, more heavily populated. Um, as opposed to places, I would say, dense, go, more densely populated. Um, <laughs> calling them dense is probably kind of rude. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, it's easy to put fiber. It's I don't I don't say easy. Air quotes easy. It's easier to put something like fiber optics in um, in an area where you have millions of people living. You know, it's inconvenient because, you know, you shut down sidewalks or roads for a little bit. But, you know, it's 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 somewhat easy to do and you can service a lot of people quickly and pretty easily. Um, but there are places in the United States that still don't have... And I, I didn't realize how heavy it was in my area until we started looking at homes. There's a lot of places in my area that still don't have hardwire internet offered to their house. And... Which is just we talk about inequities in society, and I think that those are the inequities that we can handle as a society, right? The access to information that people, quote-unquote, have is something that we can improve upon while simultaneously providing jobs and, you know, providing for 
the economy and it seems like a a win-win overall you know you can you can improve the the quality of life for everyone and do it in a manner that it is productive to society and it's it helps pull those people who are at the bottom up just a little bit it's not going to be a drastic step a drastic change but it's one of those things that you you improve the quality of life because you now make something that is inaccessible readily accessible for everybody and i think that's where you can really i think that's where infrastructure comes into play in your in your society for me um, and I think that's something that we struggle with here. Um, there's a lot of places that we don't realize, you know, we don't realize that it's like that, but, uh, you know, you drive a couple miles out of the city and you're like, oh shit, there's nothing, you know, no more internet. Sorry. You guys yeah. have to, I hope your phone gets good enough reception to hotspot. At, well, uh, <laughs> at the yeah, two at houses me. I looked at today, uh, the last two days, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that that was something I, I just like I know, that was something that kind of played into like that I thought about is just the ability to uh, improve the quality of life for multiple people while simultaneously providing stimulation to your economy. So, oh man, uh, because you want to improve the quality of life, like. Uh, I, I'm really curious what you put for some of these other ones. Uh, I'll wait till we get there, but really curious. Um, anyway, uh, diplomacy. I I had that circled for mine. Uh, anybody else? Um, I do. So, I are you not. talking like international diplomacy? I assume. Yeah, international diplomacy. Whenever I think diplomacy, I, I even looked up the definition, made it had it right, and I, I think I'm good. Um, diplomacy, meaning that, you know, of course, between nations in, term, in like war times, but it's also in peacetime whenever you consider right. trading. Um, so my, my nation obviously is very focused on having a very robust economy. That's, uh, that's, that's more so what I'm angled towards. And having a solid di a diplomatic team, I think, would be very advantageous, especially in a world like today where, you know, there's a global economy and you have to have people that are willing to talk and are willing to negotiate for you to get what you really need and want to be successful. So to me, the uh, diplomacy is very important, so I, I, I opted in for it. That's one of them that made it on my short list, but didn't make it on the shortest list. I think it just kind of got mm -hmm. bumped by some other ones, some other things that I would have taken over it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Excuse me. God bless you. Thank you. But um, I can see how it would be incredibly relevant to a society and that goes you know that goes along with our defense conversation as well depends on your neighbors if your neighbors are more friendly and willing to diplomatize diplomatize diplomize negotiate <laughs> i don't know <laughs> if they're willing to that's one of those if things they're like... willing to negotiate and you can come to a deal then you don't have to worry too much about your military infrastructure, your military power, but if they are not willing and you're just, you know, you've got a, dipl a diplomacy team who's sitting there twiddling their thumbs because, surprise, nobody wants to talk to you anymore. It's time to go. Uh, <laughs> it's it's it, it can be, 
it can be very beneficial, but also it could become obsolete quickly, it seems. You think? I, I don't know. I think diplomacy is one of those things that's important all the way well, around. Um, even it was important 2,000 years ago, and it's important today. Well, you know, the Persians avoided a lot of conflict by uh, adopting other people into their societies, making them, giving them their own land, more land that they had, uh, and more power than they had. And that was, they saved a lot of lives essentially by doing that. Not only those at the time, but those they went on to produce. Could we have negotiated uh, away the world wars, though, do you think? Or. Could, well, if we didn't have people like Chamberlain, um, and we had. <laughs> I, if we didn't have people like Chamberlain who were foolish negotiators. Is he um, the one who attempted appeasement? I, okay. Yes. Damn it. Like, that. I, I'm sorry. It just it, it angers my soul. Uh, just because you're dealing with someone like Adolf Hitler, like of course I have 2020 biases, but like, come on, man. Uh, but yeah, he. If you have people like that who think they're great negotiators, but really aren't, yeah, you're kind of shit's creek, I guess. But uh, World War One, I, I think that one could have been better negotiated. Uh, and if we were able to negotiate that one, we would have been able to. World War Two would have been less likely to happen. How could it have been negotiated? I'm not 100% certain because I'm not exa- I don't remember what was on the list that uh, uh, of the ultimatum that was sent, but so uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that I would have been more likely to negotiate our way out of World War One than it would have been. World so War I guess II. I, I guess my that. real issue is is I guess it depends what kind of uh, concessions you're going to have to make in a trade negotiation. Mm-hmm. I can see how it would be more beneficial but it seems difficult to negotiate territories and things along those lines with uh, militant powers which is Mm -hmm. uh, if you're unaware the root cause of world war one when uh the german empire essentially came into power they wanted to take over some satellite nations around them to improve their borders so that they had a buffer between the main state and the edge of their empire. Uh, Which is also what the Soviet Union did just after World War II if other people needed right. comparison. Uh, so, you know, you try to you try to keep a distance between you and your and the edge of your empire. And the Rhineland. Yeah, essentially, you want to you know, keep a little bit of satellite buffer there and that's where other countries, you know, are you willing to give up how much of your country are you willing to give up to uh, to avoid war? That's when it becomes a, a, a point of, okay, well, <clears throat> negotiations are out the window because they're saying give us some of your land or we're coming to take it. And mm-hmm. now the you know negotiation has kind of gone out the window. It's time to ship up and ship out. Shape up and ship out. Well, Zach. You know, Sam said the Soviet Union, but I mean, couldn't the same thing be said for the early, very early United States? I mean, we we annexed large portions of land, and we also purchased large portions of land. Well, it depends how you uh, consider what what is large, because like we didn't an- we didn't annex we annexed Texas. No, we didn't. New Mexico. We did not annex Texas yeah, or Mexico. New Mexico. Uh, we won that. We want we okay. I didn't hear him say New Mexico. With the southern portion of uh, New Mexico, we bought it from 
uh, Spain. We bought Louisiana Purchase. We won. Uh, well, Texas joined us freely. Then we won most of the West via war with Spain. We annexed Hawaii and we bought Alaska from Russia. Suck it, Russia. So, yeah, we did annex some land. Don't get me wrong, but the vast majority of it was conquest. So I mean, is that almost not the same thing as Germany World War One, in a in a kind of weird way? Okay, I, I thought you were uh, saying the satellite states, and so I thought that's kind of what you were talking about. But no, that was more of like manifest <laughs> destiny. You know, we were trying to be the best global power in the world, not necessarily global, the best regional power. So it was, we thought it was our dream to make it to the uh, West Coast, the which we did. Coast. Um, Thanks, Lewis and Clark, I, I, I and more importantly, Sacagawea, Sacagawea. However right. you say it. I think it's that. Sacagawea sounds I think right that's the way we were taught, um, but I'm pretty sure that's not the proper pronunciation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we are already almost at 40 minutes, so we probably better get a, get a move on on these. Yep. Jesus. Um, so the next one is fiscal responsibility. Now, this one is obvious to me that it should not be on the list, but what did you guys just... Uh, it's say? on my short list. It's on my short list because it. that is one thing that I think is important. Um... Uh, I think a well-balanced mm-hmm. budget is a very important part of your government, or should be, and um, if not, you risk weakening your economy. Um, as we're so looking if you're, at now, if you're talking about budgets, if you're talking about budgets, I think stewardship would be a better better one to do. Uh, fiscal responsibility kind of goes into that, but whenever it comes to war and uh, economic crises like we have now, if we were still on the gold standard, the gold standard being that you know. One dollars worth one that X amount of gold or whatever, however much it was. Um, since we've moved away from that, we can now do loans. Um, most famously, uh, Britain or England uh, finished paying off their World War One loan to, from the United States in two thousand or excuse me, twenty eleven. So, they if that if they weren't able to take those loans out, they wouldn't have been able to fight the war. They would have had to surrender. Um, so, whenever you had war times crisis, if you had fiscal responsibility. You wouldn't be taking out those loans if you're still on the gold standard. You would not be taking out those loans uh, because then that money wouldn't wouldn't really. Well, exist. but there's a difference uh, in you know war times and and emergency situations like we've had recently, um, and just constantly blowing out a budget because you want to add funding to you know project A, B, and C, but yeah, I think I think what you're talking about is more towards stewardship, not. Yeah, you may be correct. Um, um, so you guys didn't have that one, so let's just go on and move on to natural resources. Um, <coughs> see, kind of to your point earlier, having natural resources can be dangerous. Um, and if you like, what I'm planning my for my country to be is a strong economy. If we need resources, I want them to be able to trade for it. Um, like China has a lot of rare metals and radioactive metals, so being able to trade with them would be advantageous. Uh, and then things like oil, like if you have, if you're oil rich, then it kind of poses, like kind of puts a target on your back almost. So uh, ideally, I would want my people to be able to trade for that. I wouldn't want to have uh, the resources myself, if that makes sense. I want them to to be able to trade for it. Anybody I else? I think that makes sense. I did have natural resources. You did. Interesting. I did. Why? Because I was looking, I looked at this whole experiment as you're building your nation from the ground up or your empire from the ground up. And to start, you know, you have to have 
like I've mentioned before, you know, you have to have the freedom, you have to have the defense, you have to have the infrastructure to boost economy and help with your defense programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and natural resources, you know, you need natural resources to achieve any of that. You need metals, you need rocks, you need anything like that. I feel like food is also a natural resource, and you need that to keep your people healthy and happy. Yeah. I mean, I totally think that's and fair. It would be, be hard raising a civilization in Antarctica. There's a reason why Antarctica yeah. didn't rise to become the colonial empire, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, that totally makes cool sense. If it did. Maybe climate should be on here, too. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but, yeah. See, to me, this is like, what qualities do we see in nations that are successful? That's kind of how I took the question originally. It was just like, so, if we look at United States, England, um, going back uh, to, like, the Mesopotamia, like, what qualities do these nations have that make well, them see, successful? Well, see, but the argument and there... And natural resources would have been early, a good one there. Early civilizations were much more rich in natural resources, like, say, I don't know, clean water, access to water, um, like, yeah. uh, fertile land. Uh, like you say, the yeah. Fertile Crescent there between Meso- Mes- Mesopotamia, Sumeria, things like that. Um, you know, natural resources were a must. Tigers and Euphrates. Yes, resources were a must because you didn't have a, a global economy. But in a day like today, you can do, you can have global trading and you can get oil from Iran and, uh, you know, uh, what is it, alkaline metals from China and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, do you guys want to go ahead and skip on down to education? Yeah, so Dusty, this is one of the ones that I want to talk to you about because about, you're talking about the improvement of or the quality of life for your people. So, is this one of the ones you had circled on it's your on list? It's on a short list. Um, it's it's mm. one of it's like one of the hovering ones that I could or couldn't just depending on how the list goes. Um, yeah, it wasn't on mine, if that makes you feel It like does that. a little bit, because I almost felt bad it being like, screw either. the education. But I want there to be more of a, uh, a, a how-to-be-an-adult education, and maybe less of a, a traditional education, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, well, let me remember, this is like, you know, this, this, this is an extreme. It's not like your people aren't going to be able to be educated. It's just like... They don't have. It's not what your country focuses on. So even if you didn't pick it, it doesn't mean like your people are going to be stupid or uneducated. I shouldn't say stupid. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Um, then do we want to go ahead and go down to human capital? Well, Zach, did you have anything to say about education? <coughs> no, I did not have it on my list. Okay. I just the way I built my list, I figured that would come after the birth of the nation. Okay. Um, so next one is human capital. So this one almost seems like a burden to me. Like human capital is a term that refers to not only people, but their uh, education level, their abilities. So yeah, you want to have a you know a workforce that is capable, but having an enormous population like India and China, it, it a lot. There's a lot of difficulties there, especially in terms of health and being able to care for all of those health people. It allows for a lot of people yeah. to die. Um, <laughs> At coronavirus, um, so that, that that's one of the things I definitely did not put on my list because you know I want people and I want them to be quality people, but I don't think having a lot of people is really yeah. good. Though. I I agree with you. I did not have that one on my list. Zachary, <clears throat> human capital. Did you have it on your list? I did not have human capital on my okay. list. No. Um. All right. On to morality, um, right. Zachary. Did you have morality? Zachary, did you have morality? 
I did not. I did not have morality on my list. Did you? Dusty? I did not. I did no. not either. Dusty, did you? No, I did not. Yeah, that was one of the ones I was like, you know, it'd be nifty to have, but in like, it may be cruel to think, but depending on what time frame you choose, having morals can set you back. For example, whenever I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I don't think it hurt to bring it up again. Um, there was a, a very you know quote unquote pious person in the Islamic faith that wrote what it means to be a good uh, Muslim, right? And one of the things he wrote down is that working of numbers is the work of the devil. So that by itself halted human experience and uh, technological innovation for at least a couple centuries because the at the time the Arab Empire was super massive and super uh, uh, advanced for its time. Whenever you think of... Um, uh, letters and uh, mathematics, algebra, all those names, geometry, Arabic. Uh, stars, whenever you think a lot of the names of stars, Arabic. I think it's like a third of them are Arabic. That's that crazy to me. So they were on top of their game, and that one single pen stroke erased that from history. So I think morality can actually set people back. So I, that's why I didn't have it on my list. I think it, morality to me just becomes murky when you have... Um, a, a, a government figure who sets what the morality is. Um, That's for fair. me, just like in the United States, um, we don't have, and, and people try to politicize morality, and I, it, I'm mm -hmm. not necessarily a fan of that. Um, you no, should, no doubt. You know, decisions should be made on, public policy decisions should be made based on uh you know the the cost the cost benefit method rather than what is morality to me. Um, <clears throat> if you feel like it breaks your morals, then you are free to not participate in my free society. So it will not not that mm -hmm. you can't participate in my society, but in the free society, you have the option to choose not to participate. You know, um, mm -hmm. so you yeah. shouldn't encroach on someone else's freedom. Because you find it morally ambiguous. Um, I, so I that's agree. why I left it off the list. While I do... Morality is intrinsically nebulous. <clears throat> so it, it all depends on who determines what's morale, what's moral. And um, it, it, I don't... It, it sounds weird, but I don't ever intend to make a club myself that someone else can wield against me in the future. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> it's a very good point. So, that. healthcare. Um, Dusty, this is the other one. Improve quality of life. Did you have it on your uh, list? No, it made it on a short list, but as far as things that we're going to focus on when creating a, a society, healthcare was not there. Now, yeah. that being said, you could put it there and be like Cuba mm -hmm. and the main export of Cuba. Anybody know? Um, Doctors. I thought it was sugar cane. Doctors. Cigars, I believe. Doctors. Doctors? They have a ton of government-trained doctors that they will essentially rent out to other countries. Um, they did it. So I bet they're making. Yeah, they right did now. it during the coronavirus outbreak. That's it, the doctors are, as from what I understand, I don't know. I haven't done a huge amount of research, uh, but from what I understand, they are you know well-trained doctors. 
Um, <clears throat> and they essentially, they rent doctors out to people and say, yep, we're sending our team of doctors to you for X amount of money to help you do whatever you're trying to do. And uh, so you could theoretically put that in your top five or whatever and say that we are going to have an economy that is stimulated by healthcare and we're going to focus on being a healthy and wealthy society in that manner. Um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely but, interesting. But uh, that was not one that made it onto my list. Yeah, seems Zach, did you have that one? I don't think you said, I think you said you did not, but... Okay. Uh, I did so not, no. I should just be keeping track, like making tallies <laughs> by like on here of what you guys. So I don't, I don't know if you guys are done or not, but I'm not. Um, so entertainment. Everything else on this list was me putting stuff in. This is the only one that was incorporated by someone else. It was Matt, um, and his his rationale behind it was like we need sports. You know, people need sports, and I, I I don't agree with that. I didn't have it on my list, but under certain conditions, I could see how it would be beneficial. And this would be in a cultural aspect. So considering the United States and you have Hollywood, Hollywood is massively, like, is a massive cultural influence around the world. Um, so I could definitely see how it would be beneficial in extreme circumstances, but I don't think it's enough to focus on for me and my But there's, there's precedent going back to uh, Rome that entertainment is one of the foundations of a government being able to rule its people, right? With When things, with when things were bad, stuff, they but, put on a, a show at the Colosseum and gave them all some bread and said, here you go, enjoy. And the people, mm -hmm. you know, were happy, air quotes, you can't see that, but um, because... You know, oh look, they're putting on a show and they gave us some bread, yay! Um, so I, yeah, I've got the list pulled up. Um, so it, you know, it's it, I could see how you could make a, an argument for it, but it mm -hmm. did not make it onto my list. But I did not even really think about a cultural outreach like you put into it, where you have, I mean, Hollywood and even our music entertainment. You know, we. We have globalization, global reach through entertainment, and that's been a real, I mean, I think it's been a real, it previously was a real portion of yeah, strength. Yeah, so successful that they named the second greatest uh, movie manufacturer after those so Bollywood. Um, which, I don't know, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, did Zach go on this one? <laughs> I did. I said I did not add this to my list because... I didn't see it as necessary in the actual founding of a society. Do you, do you have any other elaborations? I'm just curious. Like, you can say no. Uh, that's totally fine. I understand. Fine. Like, no, I just like, feel bad. I'm just trying to get my thoughts straight. <laughs> no, like, I don't feel that sports is... Like, I understand it's necessary, necessary as a pastime. It also helps keep people, people healthy in downtime. And it's something to just, you know, appease idle thoughts, keep you busy, mm -hmm. keep you distracted from whatever's going on. But I did not see it as a necessary entity for starting a society and building, you know, something great. Yeah, okay. I figured, you know, that's something you work on later down the road. So, I guess we'll roll right into the next one. Zach, what do you think about justice? I did actually have that on really? my list. Really? Interesting. So, whenever you I think yeah, justice, are you done. thinking justice between people? Like, or are you talking about, like, justice... <laughs> Like, how do you define justice? I guess we can go from there. Because the way the United States has justice now, it's more just punishment, not justice. So, 
Although you could argue that is a quality of justice. But what do you think? I, I see. I I took justice as being wronged and trying to make it right. Okay. Therefore, you know, if someone stole from you, then you know you find a way to settle that as calmly and you know peacefully as possible. So are you talking like eye you know, for an eye, or are you talking more so like they stole me, so I'm gonna kid, like, I'm man, gonna kidnap like, their dog. If they stole something, they pay you back for it as they can. Hammer Robbie, Hammer Robbie, Hammer Robbie, Hammer Robbie, Hammer Robbie, Hammer Robbie, Hammer Robbie. I'm just gonna say like if you know if they stole something from you, then you know. All right, steal something back. Take it to the court or however it may work. Then they just pay you back either through labor or actual monetary funds. Yeah, or in the case of murder, then you know. See, murder's a hard one. Like, because do you lock them up? Do you murder them in turn? Because whoever the executioner is, he no. then also should be murdered. So then it just kind of goes down the line, like, you know, how many people have to die? But that's where why he wears a hood, right? To hide his, not his identity, but also to signify that he is well, the the end of the line, right? He is the faceless figure that well, took that's, him that's from actually you. No longer is there someone accurate. that you can Most attribute to that. did not wear the hoods. They were actually outcasts of the society. I put society. around that. Um, which is something I found interesting. Um, they're outcasts of the society to where executioners, their children, could only... Even better. Uh, ...have relations Make, with other oh. executioners' children. So, like, they kind of came, became this almost elite outcast of the population. Um... Oh my god, are you telling me that what we could be doing is taking murderers <laughs> and separating them out with other murderers and making the most murderous I mean, I suppose you could if you wanted putting to. putting them That's in our military assassins? as an elite unit of murder babies? But, I mean, they these people you would know? be morally corrupt, maybe, but nece- yes, they wouldn't necessarily have the men. ability to, uh, you know, do all of these things. Whatever, mm-hmm. man, they can have your superpowers, it's fine. <laughs> Shut up, uh, let me imagine they're going to have superpowers. So, did everybody go on that one? <laughs> I did not, but it made my short list. It didn't make the long list. Um, it was one of those things that I really wanted to put it on there, but it just it didn't meet as many other important aspects to me. I do think that it is important to have a system that is... Mm-hmm. is uh, of, of some kind of justice system <laughs> um, that way there I think that a justice system <laughs> can real a centralized justice system can cut down on the Hammurabic uh, outcomes because no longer do you have someone who said well Jethro killed my cow I'm going to go kill his pig um, you know now you have the ability to go after you know, a monetary, uh, a monetary compensation or something like that. Um, I think it sounds weird. It, yeah. it it cuts down on crime, even though intrinsically it increases crime. It's a real mind boggler. Intrinsically, it increases crime, but that's because anytime you make something illegal. All instances of that are now crimes where they were not before. So, yes, if you make yeah. a drug illegal, there are going to be more cases of people breaking the law using that drug. But that's because <laughs> it wasn't previously against the law. It's a real mind fuck. It's a it real mind way. boggle. Um, but it, I think it in turn... I think in... T- 
surprise. I think in turn it um, it cuts down on retaliatory crimes, if that makes sense, because now you no longer have a hammerobic yeah. idea yeah, yeah. of an eye for an eye or uh, a tooth for a tooth. Um, now you have a centralized system that's job it is to suss out what happened and how can we make it right. Um, now is that always the case and is that always how oh, it I happens? No, too. but I did see a really cool video about a judge somewhere and I believe it was Arkansas. Uh, well, another thing for, about justice, like people don't really consider time, this a lot, but amnesty is also a very large part cool. of that. Um, um, like the justice isn't just you know making things right; it's also about that but i mean you could also say that it's about punishment it's also about uh, uh amnesty or forgiveness um these are things that people don't always consider but then that like the united states system we have today is all about yeah. punishment in order to seek quote-unquote justice but in my opinion we need more forgiveness and like i said amnesty for that but that's just my opinion um forgiveness or understanding do what Forgiveness or understanding, which would be more well. Now that just makes me forgiveness or understanding. Understanding allows for forgiveness. So, in my opinion, hatred only exists because of ignorance. Uh, So we typically like so. Just for an example, uh, people of the Islamic faith, so Muslims, uh, they typically dislike the Western powers because they see them as polytheistic, meaning they have multiple gods. So think the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They view that as three different gods, whilst the Christians and uh, Jude- uh, Jews say that that's one god. Uh, so that's that's just one of those things that people don't understand. And if they were to understand that, there would likely be better relations between uh, Christians, Jews, and Muslims. Uh, and that, that's just one example I like to point to. That's you know it's pretty easy, and almost cut and dry. But anyway, Jesse, what? Well, and I. I... To go along with that, I think a big portion of what we have is in our system today is less of when we say we get the other person's story, we get their their series of events. We don't get their story. So you know, you catch somebody stealing from your store. I always ask them why. <laughs> um, you don't ask them why they did it. You ask them how they did it. Right? We are more concerned with the how than the why. Um, and if somebody looks at you and says, I stole this loaf of bread because my family is hungry and we're going to starve if we don't eat, then you're much more likely to be forgiving and say, mm-hmm. well, if you'd have asked me, like, we could have, we, I, I could have helped you out somehow, you know? And, and, and that's something that I think is partially cultural and partially... I don't know if it's uniquely American. It may be uniquely Western civilizations issue where people Mm -hmm. are more likely looked down upon if they need help instead. So instead of asking their neighbors for help, they tend to go to the government for help. Right. Um, Right. Exactly. You don't have anybody you have to be thankful to essentially. Right. And thankfulness is hard, and asking for help is hard for some people. So instead, they feel like, oh, well, the government owes me, so that's where they go, instead of saying, well, maybe the neighbor can help. So instead of going to the neighbor and asking if they can help, and, you know, who knows? Maybe if you ask that shop owner, hey, I need help, you know, my family's hungry, my kids are starving, 
what can you do for me? Is there anything you can do? If not, I understand. Thank you. Maybe it's, yes, here's some, here's some diapers and some food. You know, have a nice day. Or maybe it's, well, I could use some help putting boxes up in the back. Would you mind to help me for a couple of hours? And we'll see what we can, you know, we'll see how that works out for us. And if it continues, maybe it blossoms into something more than just uh, a handout. Maybe it turns into a job. Uh, you know, things like that are... I think that's it's a, a problem with Western society more so than it is anything else. But that's that's kind of what comes to my mind when we talk about like forgiveness and yeah. understanding is we we have to often ask how instead of why. You know, uh, he got caught with drugs. How? Well, why? Why did he have the drugs? Is he selling the drugs to make ends meet for? Food but for does his the kids, reason matter? Is he like, that's the drugs thing. To like, make ends so if you kill someone, regardless, gay, you know, it's you know? killing someone is typically a bad thing. But if you killed him to save your family, that people were like, "Oh, that's <laughs> that's okay, that's fine." But if you killed him in cold blood, then it's a little different. But at the same time, the result is the same. So people often draw arbitrary lines, which really confuses me. Like, I, like I understand that, like, well, ooh, and it, you try to rationalize it away, but the result is the same. Well, and it goes back, that goes back to one earlier on our list of morality. Um, it, is it okay to, to kill somebody in, for no reason in cold blood? Well, no. Is it okay to kill somebody who's trying to kill you? Um, well, no, it's not ideal, but if it's the Wait, only option you are that. left with, it <laughs> no, is see between you or them. Some John Parks. Morality me. has to go out the window. Exactly. Morality has to go out the window at that point because it becomes, it, yeah, exactly. It has to come down to, yeah, you know. I mean, you're right. You can't be, it's hard to take the moral high ground when you're dead, you know. Um, so if it comes down to starving or stealing a loaf of bread, fuck it, I'm going to steal a loaf of bread, right? I'm, I'm going to do what it takes to survive instead of dying with, you know, yeah. Well, with a with a clear conscience. See, that's the with, thing. Like, I think I would moral, rather like almost rot and die. Perseverance, whatever you want to call morally it. Morally um, corrupted, and it's like that. Like, I know that maybe that's like not natural way of thinking, but like, if I had to kill someone, I almost know I would not be able to live with the guilt. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's a bad way to think about it, but that's that's my thinking of it see and my a lot of my family members think the way same way as you sam they you know they would rather die clear conscience and morally correct than do something they don't agree with and survive mm -hmm. i i think yeah, i mean that it's that definitely anti-personal uh but it's, anti it's more of an intellectual game behavior. i think just because that's where our morals come from in my opinion uh they come from our because, thinking ability well, if you just think differently then it, it may it may not it may not be intrinsic, but is it part of humanity? Maybe I don't know. I mean, my personal thoughts on it are that you know I'm doing whatever I have to do to survive. Come hell or high water, whatever I got to do to stay alive, I'm alive. Well, then maybe my personal. It's not. It's not going to be my first option. If I have another option, I'm certainly going to take it. If it becomes 
you know, steal for food yeah. or I mean, maybe my life you know, just isn't worth that much. Maybe my life isn't worth that much, Jamie. You best I don't believe know. I'm gonna find a show. Uh, you know, see, like, I don't know. It's I'm gonna just come a weird up with thing something. To think about like. I thinking about a situation like could I take someone's life? It's a lot easier to say yes, but until you're in the actual situation, and then you're like, oh god, you're looking at this person in the face. It also, you know, it depends on distance. If you're sniping them from a hundred meters away or whatever, and like ah, whatever, it's fine. But if you have to take that knife and jab it into their throat, totally different. Um, I mean, well, have you ever been in any true self-defense scenarios? It, it depends. Where you like, actually had to defend yourself? Well, I had to defend myself in fights, absolutely, but it likely wasn't life or death. Well, see, okay, so then were, did you feel bad after you defended horrible. yourself physically in a horrible. fight? Uh, like, the the main fight I always think about is one in high school, in eighth, or no, middle school, sorry, in eighth grade, where this kid punched me once, and I... I beat the living crap out of I felt horrible after the fact. Like, I I don't want to say... Like, I, I guess that would be correct to say I regretted it. Just because I made him... Like, I'm because of how I perceived it making him feel. Uh, and him looked upon. Uh, was it the right call? Probably. But I still felt bad about it. To be fair, just to give everybody an idea at home, Sam was like... One of the most physically well, fit kids in school at the time. And the other guy was, you know, kind of close, but not really. He was a football guy, too. So that just that brought him down even more after getting his ass whooped by Sam. So do you yes, really think it definitely that did it both changes because people's he was more, perception he's one of, the bullies of him? School, or does it change uh, one their of the, perception of uh, him? One of the connotations of being a football <clears throat> player is that you're kind of a jerk, and he was. Um, at least at the time. I don't know him today. Um, but he was He's he was kind of the bully today. of the school so most people were like hell yeah Sam good job and like that was like the weirdest most popular I've ever been in my life and it felt good but I kind of hated it uh, I didn't like everybody looking at me it was kind of weird but um, yeah I mean it definitely changed the way people looked at me I wasn't just the you know silent nerd kid as much anymore but I mean I but most most of the time, people looked on it in a positive light, except for my teachers. Yeah, but fuck them. Yeah. Yeah, the authority never looks good on people challenging power. Yeah. Oh, Oof. creativity. Um, um. So, do you guys? This is one that had circled multiple times. Like, yes, absolutely. And that if you know me, that probably does not surprise you one bit. That I want my people to invent and innovate. <laughs> I want to be the technological superpower of the world. I want to be exporting our technology around the world, whether that's tanks, um, ARs, phones, whatever it may be. I want my people to be mm. on top of that. Anybody else? I did not put down creativity because, again, I just figured it's something Zach, I could you have? worry about after the fact that we were established. I had this one on my list because I was, I was kind of like Samuel. If we're going to be mm -hmm. any kind of an economic power, we have to have, and we don't have natural resources, then we have to have something to export, right? And we don't have human capital, and we don't have natural resources. Um, we have to have something that we can, we can export and creativity to me. I looked a little bit of it, even less like, uh, mm -hmm. innovation. 
So like and a cultural even boost, some you know art music things along those lines. Um, Very Renaissance a cultural thing as well as a technological boost. Um, places exactly actually very renaissance-esque um where we can be the 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 art capital we can be the technology capital have something that we have to offer to other people and i think yep. um it also like opens if you up had your the, door the a little bit for uh, tourism with things with, uh, i mean look at europe exactly mm-hmm. people go to europe Yes, that is correct. People go to Europe to see St. Peter's Basilica. They go to see the Louvre. I'm not sure there's they anybody see on Earth outside all of these North Korea that has not heard of the Mona Lisa. Of art. Exactly, and it's it's one of those things that. Uh, you know, the Renaissance is looked at as one of the greatest awakenings in art. Mm-hmm. artistic forms in you know the history of the world and to be able to be associated with that not only has uh, cultural significance in the now but also in the future it's something that they will teach forevermore and to be at the cusp of that seems incredibly beneficial to your society as well as the economic advantages it can give you with exports and possible okay. That's uh, a very revenue good point that I did not think about at all, but it makes amazing sense. Jeez, Zachary. <laughs> I was like, I saw that Pretty one and much. I was like, oh, this is a, a good one. And I know Samuel's going to say, let's Elon yeah. Musk this shit, but... But how can I change it a little bit from uh, his Maybe answer? I'm too predictable, I don't know. But <laughs> Also, uh, what do you think about him Texas, possibly moving his headquarters taxes, It would to save Texas. him a lot, but moving would hurt his production so much, and it would cost him a decent, a pretty penny to move there. Uh, I think the estimates were like 1.8 billion, or million, sorry, not billion, 1.8 million to move there. Uh, yeah, but see, that's oh, that but how much would he make? How much would he lose on production? So if it takes years, him a year and a sure. half to build the plant, how long? What's the downtime? I guess is my question. Well, but he's not talking oh. shutting down a factory to move the whole factory. He's talking building a new factory and moving the headquarters. See, he's that's not, how I understood. He's not going to shut down the California factory tomorrow to try and move it to Texas. But no, hearing it that way makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. So what he would do is just like any other company would do is we're going to go build what we need to make it work. And then when it's done, we will open this as our new headquarters. And whether he whether he keeps the other factory or not, I don't know. I don't know why he wouldn't to have like a just a subsidiary factory, essentially, that he could use to manufacture cars <laughs> or what the so hell ever else he wants to manufacture. Yeah, they made those. Start that was, making Tesla, I'm about it. Whatever. But, well, you know, we we're talking about Tesla. I couldn't remember if it was Tesla or I'm, SpaceX that did it, but one of the two was probably not both. Although they probably did share technology. The downsides of solar I don't know. panel. Can you explain I, I do to not me see the a downside, and that's those? what makes me nervous. <laughs> In, Having to clean them. 
And that, okay. as much as well, you would I mean, if well, dust see, that's, and other that's, particulates builds up too, either on really or inside of the right? cells, I mean, then yeah, they well, then they're not dead. sealed, and that's I mean, really you know, not good. Um, so, like, that's what I've been wondering. Like, we keep talking about solar energy, solar energy, solar energy, and why is that not so? Like, if every school in America. If we wanted to invest that in every school on the roof of every school in America, like starting from now on, every school that's built has to have well, solar panel tiles on the roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, then you delve into the, pro- totally the, the problem of not? pissing off. That makes big, yeah, that's the thing. It's all political. Big electric companies, big oil companies. Who gives a shit? But it doesn't really, right? Why would it make you mad that somebody is going to sell you something at a discount price that you can then turn around and sell? You sold it to them for cheaper than what you can provide energy to other people for, right? So essentially, you could buy the energy back from the quote-unquote government, the schools, well, it makes for sense from that perspective, but with the, uh, the, coal, the way the politics of the United States works, you know, all these energy. oil companies are donating right. millions and perhaps billions to political parties, and if you start pissing them off, they're going to withhold those funds, and they're not going to be able to be reelected with the same kind of money. So that, that that's kind of where people were coming from, but I, I totally see your point. Like, see, this is one that I saw, is that instead of pay, repaving roads with blacktop, yeah, putting solar panels down, they would be... They would be more durable than the pavement itself, uh, so you know, lasting longer. It would, the solar power. It would be about tops? as yes, expensive, maybe a little bit more than the pavement, but you know, it would last longer. They could melt the uh, ice. Mm-hmm. And but then our you kids can use wouldn't know anything about snow days. So that you can melt any ice off the roads, you can yeah, use I'm it to power your stoplights oh, and any road signs. Uh, I'm good. I don't give a shit. I don't get snow days. And it also would either. cut cost of repairs because if the road <laughs> well, gets I mean, damaged, then you know, you're just replacing tiles. Yeah, it'd be a lot easier essentially, to instead of cutting cutting asphalt, going down to the gravel, retamping it. Well, getting it surveyed. I guess it cuts down on. I guess it cuts down on time, so it cuts down on labor. But then you probably have to have some kind of specialized labor to do it. So plus the materials are probably a lot more expensive. So I don't know if it really sa- would it save you that much money in the long run. I mean, it would save you money on the energy you can. Invest it would back save in money the in the long run because I don't know you, know, the finances excuse me, you would need grid, specialized but technicians, but use the money you're making to retrain them. But then you're always going to have people screaming about jobs and everything else. Like once all the roads are uh, sold, I mean, they're going to be able, they won't need to be Learn replaced to that often and stuff like that. So. Well, I mean, it's going to need a monitoring crew. It's going to need a repair crew. It's going to need technicians. I mean, no it's going to need electricians. But think how much smaller that crew would need to be. Anyway, um, getting on to the last <clears throat> well, I mean, quality, <clears throat> stewardship. Now, Dusty, whenever you were talking about budget, I think this is what you were uh, kind of referring to. Um, so stewardship, just in stewardship. A, a general concept, is supposed to be like a responsible planning and the you know accurate or the most advantageous management of your own resources. Now, I personally think that in itself is super valuable, being able to create a budget when possible. Um, that way in wartime, peacetime, whatever, that way, you know, you're able to war or you're able to recover your economy from uh, issues like if you have COVID-19, whatever, uh, you have the ability to do that. But then also in times of peace and 
stuff you're able to create a budget and be safe and have accurate resources to go around stuff like that so i think stewardship is absolutely a necessity what do you guys think i agree for pretty much all the reasons you stated i mean good leadership is a it's a staple in any group of people that you're trying to bring together right this one no uh what do you think zach did you have this one no, I mean my literally my five. Oh, just you're just to give the have people at home chaos recap. all the time. The five qualities I chose were freedom, <laughs> defense, infrastructure, justice, and natural resources. That's, I mean, you know, that's fair to me. Um, I liked stewardship, kind of, for what Samuel said about having the ability to lead and make a plan and stick with it and being able to articulate your plan i think uh those are things that uh are important and are missed especially right now um we don't necessarily have the greatest stewardship right now in the country and it's not necessarily that everything is bad it's just that the it's a mixed message a lot of times and that creates confusion but i don't know i like this probably one, this one, was one that on. made my list i was getting uh, a lot of feedback from somebody so did you guys finish up on stewardship oh that's probably what it was then. I had a party, sorry so, okay so these are yep what so explain the, to me okay your so masculine, masculine feminine, feminine individualism collectivism that's that kind of is all together so like if you're a masculine society you're very 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 likely going to be individualistic um there i mean there are probably an outlier once in throughout history but for the vast majority of the time they're going to match up pretty well and uh, in, inversely feminine collectivism so masculine is more so that people are uh, encouraged to do their best to acquire wealth and monetary value um, and in terms of physical stuff. While feminine cultures are more, everyone is expected to be caretakers and um, kind of stuff like that. Like the genders are more fluid, kind of just different stuff like that. Um, individualism, of course, is, you know, you're more worried about yourself than everyone else around you. Your rights are seemingly more important than everybody else's. While collectivism, um, you, while collectivism is more so, you know, everybody matters. So if we needed to point to countries, the United States would definitely be masculine and, uh, and individualistic, while Japan would be more feminine and collectivistic, or, collect, yeah, whatever, um, so hopefully that makes sense. Um, for this one, I chose masculine and individualism because, excuse me, I think it adds a lot of motivations to people. Um, especially in the United States, we can definitely see that. Uh, you know, then 250 years became a superpower or whatever. While Japan, they did become a superpower fairly quickly. They were very overzealous. Yeah, messed with the wrong few, to be honest with you, but whatever. Mm-hmm. They messed with the wrong one. <clears throat> um, so, uh, mm-hmm. understanding this now, I'm kind of going... I think I like what I picked. I pick masculine and individualistic as well. Um, and uh, as far as the country view is concerned, um, I like the... Like what you said, the... Uh, t- 
um, the drive that the masculine kind of feel gives people as opposed to uh, taking care of everyone, uh, taking care of everyone. It's more of a f- yeah. fuel towards, uh, then you, you know, make yourself better. Or, yeah, I... Um, because I think when everybody has a drive to make yourself better, it, it creates, co- it creates competition. Yeah. So like if everyone is doing well, you, then you it's always collectivism as well. Better, uh, and I just kind of made that connection, um, but I think that's really interesting that if, you know, everyone has that motivation, then we're all, you know, individualistic and so in an inverse way, almost collectivistic. But so really, it almost yeah. seems like the issue comes when you have people, when you have too many people who are in the middle, right? So if you have enough people leaning one way or the other, then you have uh, you have a force great enough pulling in one direction mm-hmm. that you can. You can make things better either through competition or through care. But when you have too many people riding the fence in the middle, you have you have what is called the ninety uh, the eighty twenty the ninety ten rule. I've heard it a couple of different rule ways, where twenty percent interesting. I have not people are doing eighty percent of the work, and the other eighty <laughs> percent are doing twenty. You know, um, that was something that they stressed really hard to us at national convention for my college fraternity is that no matter what you have, no matter what group of people you have, you have about 10% of the people doing the majority of the work. You have another 10 to 20% who are pulling their own weight, who are doing essentially what they're asked of. Mm-hmm. And you have the rest of the people who the other people are making, who the other 10% are making up for, Right. You have in every group of people, you have the ones who are making the plans, and then you have the ones oh, who are yeah. working I to help feel that execute even with the plans. Yeah. Yeah. Like and then you have work. the other ones who just kind of show up, right? Um, <clears throat> and I mean, not true. Um, and that's just kind of how it is. So um, the problem is, is sometimes you have too many people riding the fence, which would be that eighty percent of people who are, you know maybe not doing as much as they should or not, you know, helping out enough, whatever it may be, um, so that you're, the burden is shifted. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the thing, the saying we had was, uh, carry your brother's weight. Um, you know, if they couldn't, if they couldn't, if for lack of yeah. better, you know, if they couldn't pick up their slack, pick it up for them, help them out. You know, that's your brother, help them out. Um, and the yeah. th- the thought behind that is is when you can't carry yours, they will pick you up and carry you too. Um, the problem is is when people quit picking up and carrying that weight, and nobody else picks up that weight to carry it. Now you've shifted all the weight, and that's that's kind of how it is now too, right? You see that in our country where you have a lot of pe- you have one percent of people who are making all the money. Well, those one percent of people theoretically yep. i don't want to say work harder or do the most work but i will say incur the bezos? most risk right um uh, <laughs> bezos for instance uh i know that he is not yes bezos whatever he is no very doubt. wealthy but his wealth is very much so tied to the success of amazon right so if he 
determines to come out with a new strategy tomorrow and says, guess what? Amazon will no so longer offer two-day shipping. Everything's like, going to ship in imagine. two weeks. What's going to happen to Amazon? Exactly. They would. He is the one that is incurring the risk. He is the one who has to make the decisions. So that's what it seems to me is you have very few decision makers so the fact that those people are the very few who make the decisions they're the ones who carry the burden of the risk for what is society the economy whatever they have the most power they have the most money and people despise them for that but instead of putting themselves in a position to be able to make the choices i.e starting a small business or getting into politics or anything, you know, just even getting involved in politics where you now and start going to your inevitably someone's going to find someone that you allegedly your raped 80 years ago. So that you have some influence. They... That's a new political strategy. It's very interesting. Um, <laughs> well, that's how it works, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's... It's no longer about the ideas, it's about the character of the person who presents the ideas. Um, and I don't know that that's new, I think that that's exactly. something that people have been viewing for for decades, but I think it's now the forefront instead of a second thought. Um, you know, you can make, if by that logic you can make the uh, the argument that, why should we listen to Martin Luther King Jr., he was a terrible person. You know, um, for those of you that don't know... Uh, on record, he was constantly having I knew affairs about with the his affair, wife but I and about is the accused of raping someone or multiple someones. Um, but does yes, um, but does that make his yeah, message any less important? Both. Right, but that's kind of why it makes Gandhi so impressive because he mm-hmm. he was he was not only do as I say, but do as I do. Which is such a rare thing anymore. Um, but so uh, that's kind of where I'm standing on this. I think masculine and individualistic for me is the way I would want to mm-hmm. go. Although I do want there to be some collectivism within the family unit, obviously. Um, you know, to, to me, like I, I always say that I want my, <clears throat> I want my government to be, um, very, I want my government to be free market, and I want my family units to be socialistic. I want my, my small communities to be socialistic. I want everybody to be able to work together to improve their situation as a Do you unit. want to know who the first person to implement ideas like that was? But I don't want the like government to be the one where who has to make that decision Genghis for Khan. I, he was he who killed might that be? forty million people, which sounds like Ooh, a huge see, number I don't today. But that was like, I mean, like he's 3% kind of, of the a... population of the world at the time. It was, or maybe it was higher. I don't remember for sure. But it was something crazy. But he was the first person to organize his military, his soldiers, into small collective groups. That way, they would care about one another and be I mean, much yeah. more likely to fight uh, together and to fight well together and for one another. And that was one of the first ideas that he put forth. And now today we have small squadrons of military personnel. We right, have so, neighborhoods, stuff like that. Uh, kind of like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just because somebody's not necessarily the most upstanding person doesn't mean they can't have good ideas. 
Um, you know, uh, the German Chancellor in World War One. Uh, you're talking about Bismarck, person, I believe, and his he, idea was, he, wasn't, uh, he wasn't how to move oh, He may have been alive, military. but he wasn't in power during World War One. He was the first Chancellor of Germany, and Correct. he allowed Germany to make it to World War One. Whenever World War One occurred, they uh, they kind of went away from the Bismarckian ideals. It was Kaiser Wilhelm II. Ah, uh, Kaiser Wilhelm. Kaiser Wilhelm is who I want to... Yeah, Kaiser Wilhelm, probably not a good person, but the way that he made advances in uh, infrastructure and being able to move military yeah. personnel changed the way everyone conducted their infrastructure, right? Like One of we the touched reasons. on, it created the way that, you know, it's the reason we have the U.S. Uh, interstate system. It's because... Well, right. It's yeah, the yeah. the basic idea from the where we got the idea for the highway system, you know. Because look what they were able to do with rail cars. Why can't we do that? With <laughs> You'll have that. Rail All right. But Zach, what did you have for this? We got, I got so way off topic throw on that one. At me. All the time. Uh, what did he say? I didn't have I didn't have a straight <laughs> answer for this one because I see the benefits Feminine collectivism. and the the underlying good properties of each yeah. ideology. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the part of the portion of the exercise. It's like, what are you willing to give up to get what you think is better? So, it, it really, if you're like, oh, it's gray. Like, obviously, it's all gray. Like, you know, there are positive and negative things to freedom, to infrastructure. Like, yeah, of course, but it, it's, based, it's based upon you. So, I mean, if you don't want to choose, that's fine. But it's it's what well, do you prefer? Well, I, I did a sort of chose. Sort of chose, Jesus Christ. What I wrote, I'm just gonna read my notes verbatim. Was that I visualized, you know, a blend of, you know, individual, <laughs> individualistic, individualistic <laughs> and collectivistic and masculine and feminine because by you know by focusing on your family, your community, neighborhood, whatever you have, you know. That that betters your local, that that betters your region, which then allows you to help better society as a whole. Okay, and move move towards a more common. So it sounds like you're kind of sodden with Dusty on this one. Like you want the society to be masculine, but then again, you want the smaller areas to be more feminine, or to be more individualist versus collectivism, whatever. Okay, I mean that's that's a fair I mean, point. We, like that, that's totally I think how it should be. You know, in smaller groups, it's easier to work together. Right, so it's I like think a in team. neighborhoods, perhaps maybe even smaller, you know, households to a few neighbors um, should work together while the entire community and the entire uh, nation would be uh, individualistic. Yeah, what do you guys think about that? Okay, so now we've got hmm. low versus a oh, high yeah, power um, distance. So. Uh, uh, low versus high power so give distance. Me a quick power distance is kind of just referring to the inequities of society. So if you have a um, high power distance, then you are, yeah, you're okay with it. Or you're, God dang it, I can't remember which way it is now. Uh, power distance is referring to inequities in society. So basically, like. Uh, Think of the wage gap between feminine and or males and females. Think about that. You could also think about the uh, inequities between black and whites. And the power distance is basically like, are your people okay with it or are they not okay with it? Um, see, now I can't remember which way it goes. Um, I, I, I chose low power distance. Um, let me see if I can pull it back up. 
So high-power distance cultures have higher levels of inequality and more willing to accept that without question. Lower-power distance cultures have lower levels of inequity and are less likely, or excuse me, less willing to accept unequal power. So I want my people to be willing, unwilling to accept uh, unequal power distribution. So basically, I want them to feel empowered themselves to go out and change it. I don't want them to try to change it via government. I want them to feel kind of like an individualistic standpoint. I want them to feel empowered to go out and seize it for themselves. So that's why I ended up choosing the low power distance. Right. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I agree with you. It kind of goes back to what I was saying before where I want people to to be motivated to be the person who makes the decisions, the ones who take on the risk themselves instead of, um, you know, mm -hmm. deferring to somebody else. So I well, think I would go for a low-power distance. What I feel is that I went with low-power distance because if everyone feels that what they're doing and how they contribute to society is appreciated then you know eventually they're going to be like all right you know what they like this how can i make it better how can i do this faster how can i make it you know more profitable at the same time you know cutting labor so it sounds like zach costs. is pretty much in the same thought path i like that it's kind of cool that I we all kind of came Hang on. i thought you were done no like that way you know when they feel appreciated and you know everybody begins to work together they focus on you know bettering their community and then they focus on they move towards the betterment of society with that and by that like technology education general intelligence infrastructure marketing things like that that's the way i looked at it okay so yeah Ooh, so we've now have low Pretty versus much, high yeah. uncertainty avoidance so that sounds like uh, risk aversement, right? Is that kind of... Um, I, I want people to be... I want people to have a low risk avoidance. Honestly, as far as it goes to... Uh, as far as it, when it comes to trying to better themselves... Um, it's hard to improve upon your situation without coming outside of yeah. your comfort zone it's a easy. lot of times. And I feel like a lot of people get stuck in their comfort zones and they stay there. There's a reason it's called the comfort zone. It's because it's where you're comfortable. Um, and it's hard for people to step outside of it. And I want that to be something that I, I, I think people should try to do that more frequently. Uh, try something new. Um, Try to learn a new language that you're not... It's impossible to succeed without failure somewhere along the way, right? You have to be bad at something before you can be great at it. Like I, I disagree. Don't, there's nothing in the and world that, is because that you can pick up and automatically and be all pretty an good expert at, at immediately. You have to be... <laughs> well, he said nothing. I mean, that's something. I mean, uh, perhaps well, in okay, but those but are innate. A, a learned activity. But... Something he, you know, past basic human function, I think, is what. I, I mean, yeah, is. but there's assumptions there. <clears throat> you know, you know, nobody, nobody picks up a musical instrument and is in, instantly, you know, turns into Bach. Uh, you have to, you know, there has to be some kind of. And maybe your failure isn't necessarily catastrophic. Maybe it's just that it's failure in your eyes so that you push yourself harder to do better next time. 
you know, maybe you yeah. go and play a new sport and you won, your team won, but you didn't have a good game. So next time you want to go out Man, and be better like so that you can Timmy carry some of that weight oh, for God. somebody Poor else who Timmy. carried it for you. It's, Did that uh, make it to the podcast? <laughs> I don't remember now. <laughs> Take uh, it, little Timmy. Get out of that wheelchair and kick the ball. It did make it? Okay. You would have cut it if, if anybody. Uh, so. Sam, did you already go? Because if um, you didn't, Zach, you should probably go before I, I did. Low, like, I wrote like half a I did low uncertainty avoidance. About my explanation. Uh, pretty much for the same reasons. Like, I want my people to feel empowered to, to go out and do what they want to do. I want them to seize power to... Uh, and I don't want them to be afraid. Like, I want them to be like, okay, I can take this risk, but then I also have my society I can fall back into if need be. That's kind of where my thought process was. So, what's your paragraph? All right, so... All right, so to the viewers at home, my the what I thought of immediately when I read what this meant was nuclear energy, and I feel like it's something that's very relatable in this instance. Absolutely. And, yeah, I put that I, I am for low uncertainty avoidance because it, it can be considered dangerous and detrimental and destructive about nuclear power. in the beginning stages, but once you begin toying with it and you begin researching and understanding how to properly go about it, how to make it safer, how to make it run better, go better, everything like how that. How to not use improper and, you know, reactors using the process of elimination. at USSR and actually use, like, Generation 4, thanks to the United States. Damn it. <laughs> Sorry, continue. You know, use the process of elimination of what the best materials Wait, and what? process may <laughs> be. Let me help you. It's likely and thorium that, you know, once, and fusion. Once this is a, well, yeah. But I'm, um, you know, in general. No, fission is a splitting of atoms. That was what we're doing already. That's why it's so damn <laughs> dangerous. If we use fusion, we start putting item atoms together, creates more energy, and it's less volatile. So like, it makes total sense to get to that point. But fusion is why we have the atomic bomb, because if you use the proper uranium and you drop the bomb, oh. they split very quickly, causing an explosion. Sounds but if you use a different type of uranium, it has a lesser rate of splitting of the atoms so it goes more slowly so you can create energy from it that's why obama sold a bunch of the nuclear or the uranium to iran iran and the people were up in arms about it because they don't understand that there's a difference between the uranium used for power and the uranium used for bombs it was a whole thing yeah uh, did we sell it to russia? i mean probably yeah. it didn't surprise me we did don't forget to russia as well uh, okay, so uh, technically the way it seems that it happened is that uh, Hillary, as the Secretary of State, uh, pushed through the plan to give it to Russia. In turn, she received contributions to the Clinton Foundation I mean, for from charity. the Russian diplomats. No, it sounds like a found. It sounds like a charity. <laughs> Nothing. They siphon money for the. No, it's not. <laughs> I think. I think the last thing I saw was something like 98% of the funds went back to the Clintons and the, re the other 2%. At least they didn't start the... a fake university, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's so, some upsides. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> type of government. Now, this one is so hard for me because, right, like, so Zach at, is going to say one that government. I hope he says because it's going to make me laugh. But it's like there are downsides to every single one of these. Upsides to a few... But mostly downsides. So I, 
I mean, so some of the ones I have written here, like democracy and republic. Democracy, a direct democracy is dangerous as hell. Because if the majority wants your house, they're going to take it and you can't do a damn thing to stop them. That's what makes me nervous about democracy. So that's out. Republic, republic's okay. It's what we have now. It's just not ideal. People, I don't like, like, yes, it's, it's awesome that people get to vote using air quotes, but you can't see it. People get to vote, but it's very contentious. That's why we have things defunct like Congress, and I, I think that's something I'd rather just avoid. So uh, a republic is out for me just because people, it's difficult for a mass to agree on one thing just because there's so many opinions going about whatever. Uh, a monarchy is dangerous while my, it might you know add some cultural aspects to it. You, If you're a new country with a brand new monarchy, you're not likely to have you know a whole lot of like cultural bravado, I suppose. Uh, that the people in Europe would, so that really wouldn't have any uh, ideal. It wouldn't be great. Um, communism is isn't what people think it is, but we can get into that later. Um, communism is very difficult for a society, a communist society, to exist in a world with a lot of republics and democracies, um, because there has never been a communist state in the world at all, ever, including the USSR. It's the United Soviet States, the United Socialist Soviet states of russia whatever it's they're they're the socialist so communism is it's untested so i'm uncertain of it so that's out of here socialism is makes me very nervous just because that's what the ussr was is what north korea is and they are economically defunct uh or mostly what they were um so that's out of there um dictatorships kind of the same as monarchies just sounds dangerous i don't think one person should hold all the power so that's out of there um, oh, I had monarchy on there twice. That's also out of there. Um, the last one, oligarchy. So that's the one that I kind of settled on for mine. So my gut type of government would be oligarchy. <laughs> um, you know, I would have you know between five to ten people that would take care of most of the responsibilities. Um, I think it's marginally safe for because if you have one person with all the power, it's super stressful. They turn into people like Hitler or Mussolini or Stalin. Sometimes Cyrus the Great, but not very often. Um, so I think I think it'd be safer to have a benevolent oligarchy. Um, so people, very caring individuals, uh, that hopefully have the best uh, mind for the for the extension of the nation. Like we want the country to do well, and hopefully they have that moving forward. Um, and I think that might be the best because there's a lot less contention between people, and there's not like consolidation of too much power in one person. Uh, not ideal, but I think it's the best of the worst kind of um what did you guys say <laughs> oh dusty you go first oh i don't want to go ahead zach all right to the viewers at home i'm gonna no, go ahead and apologize <laughs> Send i am so sorry for what i'm about to I say i hope your mom's listening uh <laughs> i hope she's not because this will be the last time anybody ever hears from me <laughs> So if no one ever hears from me again, oh, this you know won't come my out for like another week or so. So you have another week or so to live. <sighs> All right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I'm gonna write that down. Um, <laughs> so you just better buy her flowers or something. I was very torn because I could see and understand the benefits to most types of government, uh, but when I started putting it on paper as to what my ideal society would be like, Sam and I were talking about it, and I was very 
head forward communism he was so without realizing as soon as i said that i was just like man this straight up sounds like communist because he was like i want limited government i want everybody to care about one another and stuff like that i was like man that is what in essence Karl marx wrote down as to what communism is <laughs> or should he what he wanted it to be yeah and so like i kind of thought about it i was like you know it would be it would be communist-esque but with you know, I would like to have a constitution with basic rights and things like that for all of the people within my society. Fine. Because I felt like once you have you have your rights and, you know, within your constitution, no one can infringe upon the, infringe upon those. Not a single damn one. <clears throat> Sorry. I felt but like can I an entity do so? Uh, okay. No. Just fight them. And you know, I but I also wrote that I felt in great times of need there should be a group of people that are like the the foremost experts in their areas. So economists, scientists, with that you know, physicists, astrophysicists, um, military experts, things like that that should come in. Like if there's war, if there's a natural catastrophe, if there's famine, civil unrest, things of that nature. I felt like. That should be handled by experts that know what they're doing, know what they're talking about, so, and have an actual solution to Zach, the plan. Zach, I, I feel like I should apologize, because like, my first thought whenever you said that, I was like, damn, that's a really good idea. And I was like, wait a minute, that was my idea. Now I feel bad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, I, I like that a lot, like having a group that can be called upon. Um, that's kind of what the French government did for a little while whenever they had a monarchy. Like whenever stuff went downhill, they had uh, people that they could call upon uh, in times of need or uh, crisis that, you know, would be able to aid in the process of healing or whatever it was. But I also wrote that, uh, you know, within these times of crises uh, – that you know, policies can be written into effect for the betterment of society and general protection of the people, but that you know, once it is the crisis is over or has been averted, that from there, the entire like general public, like the people, the civilians, the people that keep the country ticking, could could vote whether or not they felt that it was a good policy that should remain in effect. And that's something with communism that would absolutely be possible. Uh, God, I'm a communist. Oh, no. <laughs> See, whenever I was going through my welding classes, like I, I read the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx and French Engels, and I had it with me for a couple of days or whatever. And like, like I was very particular with how people speak. Like I want them to use the proper words. And of course, that they they started calling me the grammar communist. So it was like it was, that was a nickname that stuck for a little while. Glad that's not a thing anymore. To be fair. He really yeah. sounds more like a libertarian, which in essence is kind of the same as a communist, just on the other end of the scale exactly. to the same means of limited government, you know, limited government intervention, exactly. things along yeah. that line. The result it, is the same, like the, but the process the right to get there is different. Of That's a the important distinction. Communism is more you know, like we it, need to have uh, more governments to get to that point. Right. Yeah government centralization to get rid of the government where the libertarians say let's limit the government more and more until we have none 
So really, the difference is just the way they try to get there, where communists say, let's make the government bigger to encapsulate all this, and then we just do away with it, which is going to be hard to do, in my opinion, where the liber where right, where the libertarians say, why don't we just cut it off, you know, digit by digit, finger by finger, toe by toe, until there's... Less of it, less of it, until all we have to do is dispose of what's left. No, I can so if it makes you call yourself a libertarian, like it's yeah, that's not that's. I mean, the rules, which would be back to the left again. The idea behind my my the the thought process that going into this experiment (laughs) was, I wanted to do everything to better the people. And the betterment, overall betterment of society through technological growth, intelligence, security, just, you know, and like national pride to a certain standpoint as well. That, you know, yeah, we're, we're pretty great. We have our flaws, but we're still pretty great. But we're constantly working towards to eradicate those flaws and make ourselves better. I think everybody should be like that, absolutely. So... We're, we're, we're getting there. We have, I think, three more questions that were done. Woohoo! Of, of course. Sorry. Wait, do I get to go? <laughs> um, so, I, I was swinging between a democratic republic and an oligarchy. Um, and I think yeah, I kind okay. of ended on democratic republic because the idea of an oligarchy kind of scared me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, uh, why did I choose that? Yeah. Um, because, uh, now, that doesn't mean that I'm going with the U.S. model. Um, although I will still things, because that is how we make things better, right? We keep what's good, throw out what's bad. Um, I would like to keep something like the Supreme Court system. Um, but I would, uh, I would like to keep something similar to Congress, um, and I knew I it. I told you, Zach. I knew it. <laughs> way almost with I... the presidency, so much as so it, you want that to be as like a smaller being one person. Of an and I would so basically like it sounds like you want like three oligarchies to run of some the one sort. democratic republic. That's really interesting. Well, and so I want, um, so I think the executive branch over the last couple of decades has taken way more of its executive power than it ever was supposed to. So I think that if you take all that power out of one person's hands and put it into three to five people's hands, obviously it almost has to be an odd number of people. You could do an even number of power and then give your equivalent of Congress the uh, the tiebreaker. See, I don't like I the idea of tiebreakers. Like Which, I, I would want there to be an even number yeah, of people see, yeah, because I, I want there to be the vast majority of people want this to happen as opposed to a slight majority. Yeah, exactly. And that's my idea. I don't want it to be two and two and then fifty one percent yay, forty nine percent nay on the other side. Although you could go with the the rules we have now, where you have to have what is it like a sixty seven four percent. 60, yeah, you have to have like 67% after the president mm-hmm. vetoes to pass it into law either way, which is, you know, I see why that's in place. That makes sense to me. Uh, but 
Um, so instead of having it be one person who has the executive authority, I put in air quotes, um, disperse that between three to five people, some odd number, three, five, you could do seven, but you're getting real murky trying to get seven people on the same page. Um, See. And that way you can have, so now you have the ability to have, you know, two and two or two and three or two, two and one, three and two. Um, we're going to change the electoral system as well. We're not going to do the two party, you know, if you vote for a third party, you waste your vote kind of deal. That? We'll do more of a, so we're going to go with a, a ranking system instead yes. of a choose yes. one. Um, so that way, say, if you want to vote, um, Biden, Trump, I believe Sanders. we've gone over this before That's on the a, podcast, just so you're aware, like multiple times. So like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to like so, annoy too. people. <laughs> right now I get it. But you know, that way, if you're part the person you voted for, number one doesn't win, your vote goes to number two instead. So you're not wasting your vote any longer. Um, voting for a third party candidate, you're able to vote for who you want to win. And if they don't get to win, here's who I would like to mm -hmm. see instead. Um, it just makes everything a little bit cleaner. Um, so it, essentially all I'm doing is I'm trying to disperse the power between more people. That way, whenever you have more hands yeah. in a pot, it's harder for one person to take more than they should but out of that pot. But you can also right? groupthink something to um, death, like to where there's so much bickering and arguing right, that nothing gets done. And that's, that's kind of where Congress is. So if you have three massive branches of the government to which all have conflicting ideologies it's going to get to the point where no one's able to do anything that that was kind of my that's well, that was my main aversion to doing something like that because I, I thought a little bit about it uh obviously the president needs to be done away with and or like all the fbi cia all those agencies need to go under the power of the supreme court um i think that would be a good way to do that Ooh. Now, that's very interesting, but I think that kind of perverts in our society the way the Supreme Court is supposed to work, because they're supposed to be the, you know, the arbiter of, essentially they're supposed to be the arbiter of the Constitution and yeah. the Bill of Rights, right? They're supposed to say, this is what the law says of never... our land, you can or cannot yeah. do this, right? So, Congress makes the law, the executive branch enforces the law. And the Supreme Court determines whether or not that is a so valid. So then that way, it would be easier for them to be like, okay, the FBI is, we all have a CIA agent or whatever it may be. I'm not, I don't necessarily think that's true, but it's fun to think about. Um, so if we all have a CIA agent, the Supreme Court is in charge. So likely they're going to be like, hey, not constitutional. Let's don't be doing that. So that would honestly make me feel safer from my own government. Uh, and I think that would be safer. Well... But see, and of course, the, the, the that should be happening anyway. The problem is, is that they either don't tell them, or they don't care enough to worry about it, or they only look at things that you. Bring I think it's more of they only look things that you. Bring also, the them. problem is, is like, there's what there's are there nine Supreme Court justices, so. and like five of them are over the age of seventy five. Like those people are too old. Uh. <laughs> like, I agree. I understand that you're extent. supposed to have old and wise. <laughs> like, essentially, it's your your council of elders, right? Essentially is what the Supreme Court is. I mean, but really, right? It's the people Weathered. who are supposed to be the wisest people and the most, uh, the most centrist. The most centrist. The ones who aren't supposed to have political leanings, yeah. although they do. 
Um, the one they're supposed to be the people who are not tied to anybody else. That's why they don't have re-elections. That's why they serve till their life ends. Um, I probably right, decades but ago. When's the last time a Supreme Court justice retired? Um, whenever Kavanaugh took place, or um, Kavanaugh, yeah, whenever he got in there uh, <clears throat> during Obama's presidency, there was some one that retired, I believe. Um, but I think he retired for health reasons. But you have Ruth Bader Ginsburg, <laughs> who, no matter no matter how you feel about her, she's survived cancer like six times and is still kicking. And like, I'm not sure how effective she can be. And maybe you know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right. I don't know. But you know, I just <laughs> maybe there should be some kind of review board. I don't know. Saying okay, like <laughs> you can't get out of bed and put your pants on probably like, shouldn't be over in the country like what and i get it and i have the same yeah. issues with everyone that ran for president or not everyone but the the, fi- the final few candidates run for president all are above 70 like any decisions that they make they're not gonna have to deal with like as cruel as that sounds like donald trump ruining the ruining yeah. the united states dollar oh it's nice sorry not just donald trump donald trump and congress ruining the united states dollar they're not going to have to deal with that problem. It's going to be on my generation to try to fix all of the issues that our predecessors left behind. And I don't think that's quite fair. Right. So it's sort of like the whole, we just keep taking out money to pay for new things, like to pay for things where that's not solving a problem. All you're doing is delaying the problem so you can get reelected and someone yep. else has to fix it. <clears throat> and, uh, there was a Kentucky governor recently who came into office and made some financial decisions that were not the decisions that were popular, but they were decisions that had to be made for the collective good, I believe. Yes. And then a lot of people hated him for it, and so they reelected the other party in the next election, but it was that party that had put the practices into place previously that had led to him having to do that. It's a real, it's really bad to me, just the way it works. And maybe it's more the people than it is the system, because they don't care enough to yeah, look at it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's the people. Like, I think that's what makes uh, democ- <clears throat> democracy or a republic defunct, is, is the people. You can't necessarily just blame it on Congress, because they're being reelected now. If we put term limits on them, that might help uh, alleviate the problem. But essentially, they're trying to get reelected, and they're trying to appease people back at home. So... They are doing their best to do what those people want instead of what is best for the country, and I think that See, there if you needs get everybody to be some sort focused of on the betterment of society opinion, as a whole, you know, it is what problems. it is. Because if somebody starts going down the wrong path, you take care of them. Yeah, but everyone thinks, and also no, no, it's that's the thing. That's the thing. Everybody thinks they have what is best for society. They just think it's better than everybody else's, and no one's willing to have a goddamn conversation because everyone thinks that they're right, and everyone gets super annoyed and angry when someone disagrees with them. Just know, have a conversation. There's probably a way where everybody can get what they want, or to where you guys can come up with a decision together, or a situation together to where everything is improved, and everyone can go along merrily. Um, like the first thing that the Trump, the, the Trump administration should have done, Trump is the president. The president is uh, all powerful in terms of tax. He should have collected no income tax from the federal government. Uh, that should have been the first thing he should have done during this pandemic. He shouldn't. They shouldn't be collecting taxes. That would have been the first thing to kind of help curve the financial crisis. And then, if they had to allocate more funds, do so. 
but doing that would have helped out a lot of companies, would have helped out a lot of individuals. Uh, yeah, we would have taken a little bit of a pay cut, but you know what? It's It would have been more worth it than having to shell out it's what, $6 yeah, trillion dollars six, or something yeah. now? It's something crazy. But Yeah. So, regardless, like that is just absolutely Well, ridiculous. the first one was... The first one was four, I think the first one it? was two, and the one they're trying to push through push through now is four. But they, I think that Senate still has to vote on it. It passed through the House, but we'll see how it goes. Um, it was very, very close in the House as well. Um, but, so, uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm leaning <laughs> for that. Um, I guess we're ready to go ahead and move on to the economic system. Oh, yeah, I forgot system. that was even a thing. Heck, yeah. All right. So the economic system. So now this one, there's there's like three economic systems that I could really find in abundance. Um, if anyone chooses a traditional uh, economic system, you're fired. Um, so traditional. I don't even remember what. Uh, whenever you think traditional, think like bartering time, and trading um, for you know <laughs> goods and services. Yep. See, <laughs> and gotcha. then a command economy is typically what like socialists and uh, communists and libertarians would do. Is that uh, a price of gasoline is two dollars regardless of the economic status, right? Um, and then with uh, market sticking with the same gasoline, uh, it would that, the gas price would fluctuate based upon the demand and supply for it. Um, for me, I chose the market economy because it has proven time and time again to be the most superior, most notably during the Cold War. Would you guys choose? I too. I just selected the market economy. Zachary? Uh, no, he went with I a did traditional not. Because he wants to barter do his not. corn do not for your bread. It's just horrible exchange. Like, oh my god, I can't Please. imagine. No, I actually... <laughs> let me get my notes. <laughs> I, I chose a market system with some command system stop... Or command system-esque policies. Because... When you look at, like, my, my my thing that I talked to Sam about earlier was, like, the oil market. Like, back in the day, like, it was a set price. You could not make so much over however much a percent. You could not make so much over a certain percentage on sale of a gallon of gas, which is why it was notoriously cheap in the day, back in the day. So I felt like, you know, yeah, some things should be regulated and set by the government, but past that, uh, just a standard market does quite well and it tends to be quite uh, what's the word quite beneficial I feel like that might be the best way to say it because that, that, that increases your chances of not only personal growth but also societal growth and it would, it's I just feel like it's more advantageous than most My big word okay. for the day, advantageous. Um, does, yeah, it's one that I accidentally Ooh. overuse a lot. <laughs> uh, but it, it's just so fun to say. It just rolls off the tongue. I like it. Um, so, guys, like I've got three more questions that I don't think any of them were on the text itself. Um, I, I think I spoke to both of you a little bit about it, but when is your country? When in history do you want your country to be founded and then yeah let's just start with there uh when is it um i think i made all i think i made all my assumptions 
that it is uh, in the modern mm -hmm. day. So if you it had to like choose a, an approximate time or year, what would you choose? Dear God. Uh, I, I was go thinking more yeah, mid-century, you know, you kind of, you know, midst of Cold War, post-World War II. Get out of my head, dude. Uh, I chose approximately 1948 to 1950 was when I wanted my, because like, it's right after the Cold War, and if I partner with the United I put States or Soviet Russia, to I get a lot of money. A lot, a lot of money. Because, you know, right after World War Two, during Korea, post-Korea. perfect. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, these massive economies that are shelling out money left and right, I mean, if you put your bid in, you're likely to get a little bit from somebody. Um, if nothing else, you become a satellite state of the United States with, you know, 2020 vision, we're more likely to decide with the United States because they're going to win, obviously. But anyway, um, the next thing I have is location. Where is your country? Um, can I be an archipelago? If you want to be. Where's the archipelago? I want to be an archipelago. I don't well, know I mean, Obviously, the the where in the ocean? Like, which ocean? <laughs> Are you uh, Antarctica? Because it is technically an archipelago. Let's be uh, in the. So you're Pacific technically Ocean. Atlantis. No, yeah, no, the Atlantic. I want to be you, in the Atlantic. So you you want to be uh, away from Imperial Japan? I don't blame you. Um, oh wait, no, you said 2010. So never mind, disagree with that. Uh, my thought process is uh, I Zachary, don't want to be you? landlocked, but I definitely don't have a problem with either being bordered by other nations north and south or east and west so i would kind of say something rather america-esque like north america-esque but maybe more of an archipelago like uh, dusty said because that kind of mm -hmm. makes that makes some good sense yeah that i was kind of like in between both of you all my location i just chose like the ambiguous territory of the new world um i if i if i could have it i would want to be an island nation but at the same time, I don't have to be. Um, but I want to be in the new world where I'm away from all the European powers. Uh, probably easiest to be in South America. But if I could be, you know, a fairly large sized island like Cuba off the coast of a, of a nation, uh, that would probably be better for me. Um, let's see. So final question. Do you all have a name for your country? Hmm. Dustopia. Dustopia. Come back Perfect. to me, please. Zachary? Okay. Oh, uh, let's see. A name for mine, I guess, would have to be like something like the Scintillation Nation, because it rhymes and it makes me happy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just something simple, I guess, like that. And uh, people from my country, I guess, could be called uh, Scintillateers. Hard to say. Scintillaniacs. I mean, if they're ruled by you, it sound a little crazy. Maybe we are. You never know. If you're at war with us, we're crazy as hell. <laughs> If you're at war with us, we're crazy as hell. I like it. Um, I have not. Zachary, have you come to I one? mean, all right. A little background for the people at home. Like, okay. yes, I love America. Don't get me wrong. But, like, also the history of Russia holds a very special place in my heart. So, I don't know. I wouldn't have an actual answer because mm -hmm. I, it would be very geographically influenced. Like, it would probably end up being something quirky. Okay. <laughs> all right that's fine um but thanks for everybody if you made it this far thanks for tuning in um i'm really curious to see what other people did uh let us know if you don't mind where you're from and what you chose because like what you choose is likely based upon where in the united states where in the world you're from um so i think that could definitely be something that would be very interesting um 
but thanks for tuning in hopefully you guys enjoyed and guys it looks like we just broke our record dusty this might be the longest podcast we've done no doubt um don't forget to like and subscribe leave us a message on facebook we'll talk at you next time y'all have a good memorial day talk at you next time